Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to Gigabit Nation Broadband Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig Settles, and we're here today, as with all our shows, to help uh, folks in uh, public, private, and uh, government organizations understand how to uh, get broadband every place it needs to be. So today, we're going to talk about uh, education, and I know it's a subject that uh, we've touched on a little bit here and there through the course of uh, our interviews, but today I figure we should give a full effect to, you know, what can we expect from uh, broadband as a way to improve or transform the way that education is done here in, in the U.S. And I'm in Kansas City uh, today for the show, also um, for the rest of the week, actually, and uh, I'm here as a part of a conference where the theme is basically uh, going from gigabit envy to gigabit deployed, and we're talking about all things related to broadband, obviously in the context of the broadband network that's coming to um, Kansas City via uh, Google, Google Fiber. And so I figured this was a great opportunity to, you know, come to the source of you know, all the stuff that's going on here in Kansas City and see really what it is that folks uh, expect. And by talking about some of, you know, the things that they're expecting and planning on doing here in Kansas City, those of you who are, are developing your broadband plans will be able to uh, learn some very valuable lessons. And so joining us today is the uh, superintendent of the Kansas City, Kansas uh, public school system, Dr. Cynthia Lane. Uh, Dr. Lane, welcome to the show, and thank you for being here this morning. I'm really pleased to be here. It's always exciting to talk about the future of education. Now, so and just to put it in the context for our audience, I mean, obviously the network is still, you know, being developed, deployed, and so forth. So we're not fully up and running but I do know uh, that a lot of folks here have been planning uh, quite uh, intensely for the last uh, few months uh, for what it is they plan to do with the network. And so from that perspective, uh, Dr. Lane, what are some of the big um, changes or enhancements that you expect will come as a result of having this gigabit network in town? Well, Craig, let me back up a minute and share with you some of the work that we've been doing for the past many years, not even anticipating that we would have access to this wonderful broadband. Our school district, Kansas City, Kansas Public Schools, is known as one of the best urban school districts in the nation. And, and frankly, that's because we're willing to look at where we are and to take some courageous uh, steps to make sure we're preparing kids for their future. So six years ago, our Board of Education decided to put laptop computers in the hands of every one of our high school students for 24-7 access. And that has transformed what we're doing already in classrooms. We now have a two-to-one ratio from kindergarten all the way up to high school and then one-to-one ratio where we have uh, tools in the hands of our children so they can broaden their access, frankly, to the world. So getting a high speed, getting broadband, will certainly do nothing but propel us forward uh, in an exciting way. Mm -hmm. Now, in terms of preparation for when the network goes live, uh, for the benefit of of our audience who, you know, again, a lot of folks are either in the planning stage, some are in the building stage, what kinds of things are you doing to prepare for when you know, the switch gets turned and and gigabit broadband, you know, is going to be everywhere here in the city? Well, we've been thinking a lot about what our students need to be prepared for their futures and 
And I know that you've heard frequently that the jobs of the future don't even exist today. So key to that is making sure that our students are highly literate, uh, both in the traditional way and in digital literacy. So we are focusing lots of our energy and professional development that transforms what happens in classrooms every day so that our students are, are prepared. Um, teachers are changing what they're doing uh, by asking kids not to be just consumers of learning, but to actually produce and create and transform and, and think about how the, the concepts that they're learning can truly help improve their lives. So much of what we've been doing so far is really, well, number one, implementing the use of high levels of technology in instruction and providing uh, just-in-time professional learning for teachers so they can change what they're expecting from our students. We, we have lots of um, pockets of uh, concepts that are in place and programs and initiatives, and the, the broadband will just allow us to go universal with those things in every class. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that uh, when I've spoken about uh, bringing in broadband to <clears throat> the business sector, uh, small businesses in particular, uh, one of the things that folks discovered was that, um, you know, they, they, they got everybody online, they got everybody connected, but what they didn't anticipate was um, the level of digital literacy or maybe the lack of digital literacy from the business owners themselves, which basically put a crimp in the plan. You know, the people you put online can't make this stuff do what it's supposed to do. Is there any kind of, um, I don't know, uh, extra education that needs to happen with the educators? Because I know that not all, but obviously some educators who've been at this maybe for 15 years you know, or, you know, for a long time are maybe maybe reluctant to use and embrace the technology. Do you have those kinds of issues or has your, you know, use of technology previous to this have gotten people past their, their phobia of technology? Well, I won't say it's moved us all past, but I can tell you that we have more and more examples of veteran teachers who uh, have been willing to take risk and to actually learn from their kids. Let me give you an example. We have a third grade teacher, Kathy Stump, who has a two-to-one ratio of iPads in her classroom. And she describes it that now it is an environment where everybody is learning from each other. She's putting opportunities in front of her students to use the technology to access the information she wants them to learn. And she's opening up herself so the kids can teach her how to more effectively use the tools. So it's exciting uh, for, for many of us who are willing to uh, take risk and learn from our kids as well as to teach our children to broaden how we do things. So there are certainly examples of veteran teachers who, who are willing to do that, and um, some of our novice teachers, this is just what they do and who they are. They've grown up with technology, so they're certainly not uh, afraid of the use. They're just looking for opportunities to deepen uh, the effect of what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So if you were speaking to, um, say, a, a community that's not as far along in their broadband planning as uh, is the case here in Kansas City, what are some steps that they should take to prepare um, for for getting broadband? And starting with the, the, the teacher side, you know, prep steps for them, but then also the uh, students, and then third would be the, the parents. 
let me talk to you about what we've done, and perhaps that will give others some, some thoughts about what they should consider. It was critically important that we focus on the outcomes. What is it that we're hoping to gain for our students? And then begin to build our plan to support teachers, students, and parents around that goal. And for us it is truly having our students prepared for college and careers. And by that I mean when they leave us, when they graduate high school, they're ready to step into credit-bearing classes at the college level. Mm -hmm. I apologize. <clears throat> Um, and and they're ready to immediately go out into the world of work, and employers know that they have the skills they need to, to do the job. That was important because while the tools are are important to help us get to the goal, having broadband or having technology is not the goal. They are tools in, in, in terms of preparing our kids for their future in a global society. So we framed that goal, and then we began to have intensive conversations with teachers about their professional learning providing support for them, and working with our students on digital literacy, uh, digital citizenship, uh, why these tools were important to their future. And we brought parents in for training with their students before we gave them the technology. So they were sitting elbow to elbow, learning about the tools, what we expected, and how we hoped that they would be used. We also encourage parents to use the technology. The laptop that goes home with students from the high school level is, is a family machine. We encourage that. We, we have online grade books, um, online chats with teachers. We want parents engaging with teachers and students with the use of technology. So it's critically important. Have a goal that's meaningful and then align all your actions to get everybody on board with seeing the vision for the future and, and working in that direction. Another key piece, frankly, is the business community. And we are so looking forward to having broadband so we can immediately engage the community, businesses, industry uh, in the classroom. So instead of taking students on field trips where they get to passively observe a career field, they are, uh, we are looking forward to opportunities where that comes into the classroom and is part of the teaching and learning process. Mm -hmm. So now, how how receptive were the, um, the the parents to this? Because it would seem like you would have, again, you know, not that everybody is the same, but I mean, you might have a generational issue. And uh, I know a lot of parents I talk to, they know their kids are deeply engaged in technology, but they're not at nearly as engaged as their kids are. Um, was there a little bit of a, a disconnect? And if so, how do you get past that kind of thing? Well, the first thing we had to talk about was uh, focusing on our children's future and not ours. School is very different now from what it was when you and I were in class. And uh, we had textbooks, and those textbooks are, when they land on the desk of a student, they're already three years old in terms of the content and information. So when we began sharing that kind of information with families and showing them that these tools were not just for play, although play is, is a good thing to learn to do, but it was for meaningful work where we were expecting our students to truly be writing more, thinking more, um, justifying their reasoning through the use of technology. Then families began to understand that this uh, is the new textbook. It really is a vital piece of the curriculum and teaching process. And we also allowed some students to opt out. If their families truly were not um, supportive or ready for this kind of access, 
then then we didn't force that on them, but we worked with them to get past their concerns and move it forward. Key, key to that was having lots of safety wrapped around the technology, filters so students wouldn't get to websites that are not educationally appropriate, tracking devices so we knew where the machines were in case they were lost or in case of theft. And so families began to feel more comfortable that there was a lot of safety wrapped around the use of the technology. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I want to shift here just a, a little bit. I'll probably come back to the planning uh, in a little bit. But um, I, I was having a conversation with someone. Oh, I was out at the data center here at, uh, in, in Kansas City. You know, we were talking about, um, you know, a lot changes, and people don't understand really what broadband is, and, and so we need to focus on what's the impact, what's the effect, rather than saying, hey, we're going to have good, super fast broadband, and that's going to give you a gigabit and, and so forth. Let's paint a picture for our audience. What would the typical day be like in your estimation, once we have broadband in place, and maybe even give a before and after, like maybe how the typical classroom works currently, and then with broadband, how that might change. And, and by painting the picture, then show people really what we're really talking about here. Well, let me try to give some examples. Uh, kindergarten, upper elementary, and then something that happens at the high school level. And many of us may remember that at, at, at kindergarten, oftentimes we talk about various careers and some of those careers uh, include firemen, police officers, doctors, and sometimes farmers. And we would do that in a way where we'd bring in pictures and we'd maybe go on field trips and try to expose children to what those various careers are, even at the, the, that young age. Well, today what happens is that our teachers are able to actually, through the use of broadband, uh, Skype in with a farmer who's out in the field, who's actually plowing the ground or working with their livestock, and they can have authentic conversations about what does it look like to be a farmer and actually engage in conversation with that individual. That makes it more real. It's not just a picture or a passive field trip where you, you go and you pet some farm animals. You actually get to understand what that career is all about. Moving up. Moving up to the elementary, upper elementary, uh, we have a, another teacher. Let me brag on uh, Peter Wetzel. Uh, he teaches at Frank Rushton Elementary School. And he has done some remarkable work in bringing parents into the classroom where they're using applications where students are reading text and writing about the text that they're reading. And their parents throughout the school day actually log on and are able to engage in conversation with their student, with their teacher, about that text or that book that a child is reading. That's powerful because then it validates that learning is universal. It's important that education is important. At the high school level, what you might see uh, are um, Foreign language is something that we are very challenged to, to provide a wide variety of foreign language experiences. So we envision um, that we might be able to tap into an individual who speaks Mandarin and to actually be able to use that person to provide the instruction uh, in the classroom. So there are, in, there are uh, limitless possibilities for how this might transform what we do. I think of it as that school will no longer be a place that we go, but it will be a concept in what we do, that learning is 24-7 and that you access individuals around the globe in terms of advancing your learning. Mm -hmm. 
Now, one of the um, the, the uh, co- uh, co-chairs of the Mayor's Bi-State um, Planning Committee, I'm, I'm not giving the right full name, but the, the, the guys that were involved with that process talked about um, collaboration and, and being able to work student projects as a team, but the team would be virtual and it could literally be an international team. You see a lot of that happening, and and what does that do for education? Well, we don't see a lot of that happening yet. Uh, We have collaborative teams that maybe are located within the same space, the same building, or across buildings. But just imagine what that might be like for students in Kansas City, Kansas, to be working with students in in Australia on on a common project, a real meaningful project that each one of the students are charged with a critical role to produce. Uh, that really will make learning more relevant and get our kids more prepared for the kinds of things they're going to be expected to do when they work, walk into the world of work. We have some students right now that are doing some internships out in industry, and they're expected to work on those collaborative teams. Some of their teammates who are employees of this business aren't located in the same building. So they're beginning to have those experiences where they work together but not in the same location. And I think that's the, the wave of the future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can uh, definitely see where that will uh, uh, play a role. <clears throat> you know, one of the challenges I remember having when I was uh, a student uh, in high school and, and so forth was learning languages. And uh, now that I spent uh, some time traveling in, in Europe, uh, learning obviously learning languages were was easier there because you're surrounded by it 24 7. Um, could we conceive of, I don't know, five, six years down the road where students become almost, you know, bilingual, trilingual, because you can do so much as far as bridging the distance gap and basically opening up that opportunity to learn language from native speakers as a native, you know, native to whatever country of the language you're trying to learn? Oh, absolutely, I think that's possible. Right now, Kansas City, Kansas really is a global uh, society. We have 65 different languages that are spoken in our schools. And one of our high schools reports that 47% of our kids there are, are bilingual. That's a real asset. Uh, all of our children, in, in thinking about their future, are going to need to be bilingual. And there's no better way to learn that than from a, from a native speaker. So having broadband will allow us to access those native speakers to make those opportunities for really learning those languages more authentic than than perhaps we can do now. Mm-hmm. Now, what about the, um, the the sciences? I know that um, <clears throat> I've seen oh examples or read examples of uh, you know being able to do those things in bio labs, such as you know dissecting animals and and, and so forth. I'm not sure if they still do anymore because it tends to gross people out and, and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, when we were kids, well, some of us were kids, uh, you know, we, we had to, to do that kind of thing. And so c- computer technology, just, you know, forgetting the Internet for a second, was, you know, touted as a way to, you know, dissect and learn about animals and all living things without having to actually physically do the process. Do you think that with broadband, you know, we'll be able to take this up maybe even a level higher? Because now we're talking about 3D printing and and you know, doing things multidimensional, can that have an effect on the the sciences? Oh, it really does, and I'm laughing because just last week I had a conversation with a high school graduate who is pursuing medical field, 
And I shared with her that I had that desire when I was a kid, but I couldn't get past pissing the frog and dissecting the cat. And she just laughed and said, but now you can do that virtually. You don't actually have to, to do that. And uh, uh, what a what a great uh, opportunity. But we have a, a science class at J.C. Harmon High School, Jeff McFarland, who two years ago, through the use of technology, the students actually discovered a DNA pathway that had never been discovered before uh, in a sunflower, not discovered by any scientist around the world. They were able to publish that those findings and, and have that work validated by the scientific community. That is very meaningful to kids. And so the more access we have to tools and broadband, the more real-life opportunities uh, they'll be able to have. Imagine in a high school science class actually getting to, to work on a cadaver. Now, as a superintendent, I don't want cadavers necessarily in our <laughs> school building. But if they can do it virtually, that would be phenomenal. Mm -hmm. There's unlimited possibilities for field exploration using broadband and technology tools that really, uh, instead of having our kids learn about being a scientist, they become scientists and they can actually uh, explore real problems and maybe like our kids at J.C. Harmon, actually solve some problems that had never been solved before. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that opens up just fantastic uh, possibilities and so forth. You know, one of the things that I, uh, I've worked with the uh, town of Ottumwa in Iowa, and uh, we spent a lot of time talking about the school system there and, and how broadband might have an impact. One of the things they do there, excuse me, is a lot of collaboration with the colleges and try to get kids, uh, you know, participating in college-level courses or lectures and so forth. Do you see like wait, new ways of collaborating with the college level. In other words, getting students even more prepped for the next level up. You know, I love this question because that's central to uh, much of the work that we're doing right now. We have some very strong partnerships with our local colleges and universities where professors are coming into our schools and students are are completing college work while in high school. We have an aspiration that will soon become a goal that when kids graduate from high school, they'll graduate with either a technical certificate or an associate's degree. So the, the opportunity to, to use broadband to have a wide access for high school students to be in college coursework is critical uh, to preparing our kids to be ready uh, for the world of work when, when they leave us. So we have college professors that come now to our high schools and we transport students to college campuses and that's important. But imagine the impact if we could leverage the broadband so the, the um, space was not an impediment or transportation was not an impediment, but we could bring that rigorous college coursework or frankly training in the technical fields, uh, learning to become a plumber, an electrician, those kinds of things in the classrooms while kids are at high, in high school. So when they step uh, off that stage, when they graduate, they clearly do have credentials that will allow them to immediately have um, meaningful employment. And when I say meaningful, we always talk about at least a middle class uh, level of income or higher and can advance to work. But in addition to that, many of our kids have that entrepreneurial spirit. So think about what broadband will allow our kids to do as they develop their passions and um, businesses that they want to run and begin to do that while in high school so they can be nurtured and supported with a firm business plan, access to business experts, 
and then when they graduate from high school, they're fully ready to engage in, in that uh, passion that they have, that entrepreneurial idea. Mm-hmm. Now, I was thinking as you were uh, talking there about one of the uh, past times that was uh, in, su- in such great favor in, in high school, which is the uh, shopping for college. <clears throat> and um, one of one of the big things, you know, about being a, a junior, particularly before you take the SATs and all of that, was, you know, being able to figure out which college you want to apply to and so forth and so on. And with the with broadband's ability to make things such as video, um, you know, conferencing or just the ability to move video data uh, quickly back and forth across the Internet, that the ability to take walking tours of campuses, the ability to sit in on uh, classes virtually, in essence, to shop as if you were there without having to physically go across the country or even across the state could be, you know, it's like a pedestrian benefit, per se. It's not like when people envision transforming education. But I would see that that as being a a significant byproduct of having this network here. I I think that would be very exciting for our students to be able to um, be more empowered to make the right choice for them about that next step, that that educational environment that really meets their needs. We often worry about students who maybe would do better in small learning environments going to large universities. Uh, They don't really know what that's like. So if we could use broadband to give them that experience. I was listening to a futurist uh, a few weeks ago who talked about actually uh, creating avatars and placing yourself in those environments so you have more of an opportunity to experience it and almost feel it. So as I hear your question, I think about what would that be like for our students to actually be able to be transported there through broadband so they could experience it and confirm this is exactly what uh, I need for my future or, oh, maybe I need to look somewhere else. Uh, Very empowering to think Mm -hmm. about them driving those decisions. Interesting, interesting. And and converse, not conversely, but sort of in parallel with that, you could do similar kinds of things when it comes down to career choices, right? I mean, for example, you know, you talk about giving people practical, technical uh, skills so they can go into plumbing or they can go into, you know, some of the more maybe blue-collar work or factory work or what have you. But using the same concept of broadband as kind of a virtual visual, you know, experience to look at what college could be like, you could actually – send kids into, you know, those kinds of environments, which might, you know, frankly not be safe for someone to do a walking tour, but whereas you had, the, you know, the technology put in place, you could, in essence, look over the shoulder and you could see some of those other kinds of, of jobs. The same way with police and fire and, you know, the kinds of professions where there's a certain level of danger and the average civilian wouldn't really see, you know, the real job, if you will, that that kids could you know explore explore their their those kinds of um, you know work options work environments. I can see them exploring it, and I can also see them understanding how this math concept or the science concept or why it's important to learn to write in certain ways impacts their career choice, and so they're actually seeing that plumber, that electrician, that engineer, that architect, as that person is doing their work and have maybe an opportunity to have conversation with that professional about uh, what was important for them to know and be able to do in order to perform the task that they face. 
that mm-hmm. makes learning real. You know, we all remember opportunities. We were on field trips where we got to go to some of these uh, sites and we stood on the side and we had the professional talk to us about that career. But that's very different than what I hear you describing, actually following through technology uh, real-life situations. Mm-hmm. Well, exactly, because it's. <clears throat> I think it's this kind of, brainstorming that makes broadband more real to folks. And like I, I know that you know you can you can bring parents together and sit them down and say, you know, one day we will have broadband and it will do, you know, X and it'll be able to, you know, move so much data and, and all the rest of that type of stuff. But, you know, being able to have someone come in and blue sky about, you know, practical changes and what's more or less everyday things, you know, that whole looking over someone's shoulder. I mean, it's the most logical concept, but it's really impractical. Now you say, but with broadband, you could do this. And then, you know, I think you open up a whole another level of, of planning because, of, you know, parents and, and teachers, administrators, you know, really get behind that as an idea. <clears throat> I, I would think that it would affect how you plan for, um, you know, implementing broadband and using it when it does become the reality here. You know, absolutely, and it also requires that business and industry leaders see this as a priority. Think about the opportunity they have to do recruiting of young people who might be future employees, and so they want to bring them into the world, their world of work and, and be able to show them what it's about and be selective about kids who they think might be great future employees. So it's teachers and it's parents and students, but critical to this is bringing the business world into the classroom in really authentic mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going <clears> to <throat> dial this back, um, and I, I should probably make a housekeeping note for our listeners. Um, if you're listening, you're in the chat room, and you've sent a question or whatever, and I haven't responded, um, there's some sort of glitch in, in my system right now, and I'm not seeing uh, anything in the chat room. So if you're there and, and trying to raise your hand and be acknowledged, I apologize because I can't see you, and, uh, and we'll sort this out eventually. But um, anyway, with that said, um, I want to dial this back and talk about um, <clears throat> K through 8th, you know, call it 8th grade. Uh, there was a um, community... Uh, in, in Long Beach, that um, through the YMCA, through a program through the YMCA called the Youth Institute, <clears throat> created a series of digital training programs in which they train students using all kinds of technology, uh, uh, you know, multimedia technology, software development tools, so forth and so on and allowed kids to do things such as create um, uh, TV shows. You know, third graders would would create a TV show about what happened in their class, what happened, you know, what they did over the weekend or whatever. Uh, Second graders would create these little trainer apps that teach kindergartens their ABCs and how to, you know, what their numbers and so forth. And one of the things they said was that, you know, they're limited in this program even though they are digitally training, I don't know, several thousand students uh, a year, but they're limited by, you know, broadband speed. So flashing over to to Kansas City, could you see a whole different way or an additional way of training our younger kids or your younger kids to um, be ready for 
technology, doing this kind of doing video production, doing uh, you know multimedia, you know just basic level stuff. Obviously, you know from an adult's perspective, but things that help them grasp it and then be able to talk to other kids, you know, over the internet, be able to have their parents engage in this exercise over the internet. Are those kinds of things um, possible and practical for little kids? Oh, they they absolutely are possible, and as you mentioned, this particular program is doing it, and we have pockets of that right now where we have children in in early primary grades, K-1 and 2, that are learning to do some basic programming using the Scratch technology. Kids want to be able to do that, and they love being able to share what they're learning with with other kids. Sometimes... um, our students say, you know, I, I heard it from the teacher, but I really didn't get it until my peer showed me how, how to use that. And so to leverage that, to make everyone responsible for everyone's learning is exciting. And having more opportunities for kids to learn the technical side of how things work will allow them to begin to think about how they can improve on that current technology uh, for for their future. So. Those kinds of things are really exciting, and when broadband truly is plugged in in Kansas City, Kansas, then I think the sky's the limit with our teachers and kids and community coming together to offer those opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about the um, uh, the, the, the parent for a second. Um, <clears throat> again, in uh, in conversations with the folks in, in Iowa, um, they they talked about one of the limiting factors that they had uh, with taking advantage of the newer education apps has to do with uh, the the lack of broadband or sufficient broadband in the in the home. Uh, how and then not sure what for Kansas City because we obviously know that Kansas City Google's putting is putting uh, gigabit everywhere. But for the average community. And they're sitting there looking at, okay, we want to use broadband to, you know, improve economic development, and we want to use it to improve our education system. Is there a way to maximize the student's use of technology and broadband if it does not exist at the home? I mean, is it possible? I mean, is that even possible? Well, anything is possible. It depends on on how determined the community is to make it happen. And you know, right now we have homes in our community that that don't have access. So an opportunity we have is to make it real and relevant for for everyone. If you are in a situation where you're just trying to get by, you may not think of broadband as being an economic driver. But if we put it in the hands of uh, homes and we make it universal and we don't create financial barriers for access. Uh, and we do some basic training with why this is relevant to their world, I think that helps. When we deployed our laptops six years ago, this was a big concern for us. You know, We're sending this tool home with our high school students and asking them to engage in learning outside of the school day, knowing that many of them did not have access to Internet, let alone broadband in their homes. We found um, churches community organizations and businesses beginning to sprout up that had Internet access and opening their doors, inviting our students and their families in. We also saw outside of the school buildings when school was closed, clusters of students sitting on the stoops because they could access the Internet uh, outside of the building. 
And so as the community recognizes the need and more and more opportunity for Internet spreads, then individuals find ways of, of having it be relevant in their world. But I think that has to be a very specific strategic action that a community takes, is that determined to find ways to help people access uh, information and get connected. I can think of very few people who can't benefit from being connected. My parents, I'll tell you, that are they're in their 80s. They totally access the news media online now. I would have never thought that they would do that 10 years ago, but they found that the way to get the most up-to-date current information. So finding that connection to make this relevant for individuals will help us be able to build on it so it does become a true economic driver. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, <clears throat> from my perspective and what I've seen and what I, what I tell folks is that um, you, you have to look at a bigger picture. I think that when folks say, oh, we want to use the Internet to do this, we want to use broadband to do, you know, that particular task, we sometimes get very narrowly focused and we don't understand all the things that may impact that. And, in fact, there's another at a networking um, event here in Kansas City earlier this, today, uh, we had this conversation about... Um, as you plan for using the Internet, that you have to look at everything that goes into the the solution or the activity that you're trying to impact. So, for example, if I look at it as an, from an entrepreneurial perspective, you know, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you, you, you give um, access to, uh, to the Internet to a bunch of small business owners and say, here, you now have access. This has been our mission. Now that you're online, our local economy will grow because you now have connectivity. And they didn't, and, you know, and the folks doing this particular exercise, because it's actually a true story, didn't necessarily talk to the business owners to figure out that business owners over a certain age didn't have a level of digital literacy to really be able to take advantage of the technology. So the grand vision of economic development or economic impact got short-circuited in the short term because they, they figured out how to address it, but because they hadn't looked at the full-on picture of everything that goes into that business person using the technology. And so what I caution folks about relative to um, education is the same thing. It's not that you're giving the school a bunch of technology and now these kids will miraculously be, um, you know, better students and more of them will go to college and so forth. There is a dynamic that includes the parents. There is a connectivity issue that includes the home because with a lot of these applications, there is work that needs to be done at home. And if you're going to try to do collaboration between classes, between classrooms, and between schools in different parts of the world, the ability to use, you know, broadband after school hours is essential. And so when people look at it from that broad perspective, they're able to plan better and say, hey, you know, we can't just, you know, allocate X number of dollars and just wire the schools. We're going to have to allocate X plus Y because we can't complete the picture without that home element. And, and that's kind of how I view the planning, but obviously I am not, you know, I'm from the outside looking in. But does that seem logical? Is that a rational way to think about this? Well, as you're talking, I'm thinking about one of my opening comments about having a clear goal and a vision for how you're going to get there. And goals may be different for different stakeholders, but you have to know what is it you're wanting to accomplish, not just here's the tool, go do something with it, but what is it a person needs. If it's a, it's a, a person who's looking for employment, I can think of very few businesses now that take walk-in applications. It's all online. 
So how do you as a community strategically organize your resources to help individuals uh, access what they need to get to where they want to be, their individual goal, or the goal of the school system to have kids college ready, or employers to have access to a wide pool of, of future employees? It's all about the goal. It's not about the tools, but the tool will then be able to open doors to reach and be successful with the goal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think I think I just think that's critically important. But you have to think about what what is it you're trying to accomplish, and how do these tools help you get there? Mm -hmm. No, I you know I, I you know I definitely agree. By the way, one thing um, I just want to get a general opinion on. It's not directly related per se, but um, the, the schools in um, Iowa are experimenting with the thing called flipped classrooms, where instead of having the you know, kids go to school, they get the lecture, they come back home and they work on, on stuff, they get the lecture via YouTube or some other vehicle, you know, video vehicle to get it into their homes, and then when they come into class, they, you know, discuss and explore and so forth. It basically flips around the lecture in school where it's now a lecture on your own at home. And I'm just curious, is this happening here in Kansas as well, do you know, or at least in Kansas City? And how's that going over? Well, I know there are examples of that across the nation, and we've done a lot of learning with that. And we have some great examples of flipped classrooms happening at Wyandotte High School, both in math and in science and in other areas, where the teachers are actually creating those, those videos giving the student the background information. Students, that's their homework. They go home, they watch the videos, They, if it's a math class, they do some math homework, and then they come into the classroom, and it allows a couple of different things. It allows the teacher to then intervene with students individually, meet the student where they are, and move them forward in that concept. It also then uh, create situations where instead of just learning the basic concept, then the students are actually able to apply it in real life situations. So, and that could connect to what we talked about earlier with seeing those concepts uh, applied in the business and industry world. It provides more opportunity for the application of the learning, not just the learning of the concepts. The students have reported to us that they really appreciate this because they can stop the videos, they can learn at their own pace, and their test scores show that when they're, they're asked to demonstrate their mastery of the concepts, they're much stronger than they were in a traditional come to class, hear the lecture, and take a test. Mm -hmm. I think it has great, great possibilities, not just at the high school level, but for even as, as young as kindergarten, for children to have access to learn some basic information and then the teacher can spend the time with the students learning how to apply it. And that will get us a long way in getting our kids prepared for college and careers. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing that has happened that seems to be a phenomenon gathering speed is the Khan Academy. I don't know if you're familiar. I'm assuming that you're familiar with the Khan Academy. So the the one thing I sort of when I look at the Khan Academy, and I read an announcement though I don't know a couple of weeks ago about one of the major colleges that has decided to start uh, doing online um, courses. Is the way in which teaching is done is it about to go through a major uh, metamorphosis for better or for worse? <laughs> 
I don't think it's about to. I think it has been going through a, a metamorphosis. You know, when you and I were in school, we we probably sat in rows and we listened to the teacher talk, and and the teacher then uh, tested to see if we had retained it. That school doesn't look like that at all anymore. Kids are working in teams. They're expected to collaborate, talk about their learning, uh, show their learning through writing. And having the access to broadband so they can do learning outside of the schoolhouse time is, is essential. And that's what Khan Academy and flipped classrooms do. They allow students to learn at their own pace. And then when they come together in classrooms, it's about working together to solve those real life problems. So I think teaching has and will continue to evolve as we think about becoming more facilitators of students learning rather than directing the learning. And mm -hmm. Khan Academy flipped classroom, use of broadband are all, all ways to help us continue to evolve to that level. Mm -hmm. So it's a, from your perspective, it's a totally positive um, uh, uh, evolution, I guess. Uh, because I've heard mixed, you know, I've heard, it's interesting, I've heard mixed reports or mixed feelings on it, but it's been mixed feelings from people who are not educators, which, you know, that, that's always a problem, you know, when the folks who don't know what a classroom is and what goes on in the classroom start making judgments. But, you know, I think it was one of the fears was like, oh, well, then what are we going to need teachers for and all this, that, and the other? And I kind of go, well, that's, I think, probably a little overly dramatic of a, uh, you know, perspective. Well, I don't ever see a time where we won't need teachers. Teachers open doors to things that you can't imagine without that. Uh, but I understand that it creates a, a level of discomfort for many because school in the United States is very tradition. It's a tradition that it's nine months, that kids have time off in the summer, um, and, you know, we still follow that, that kind of agrarian calendar, if you will. And, and I, I get that, but around the world, students go to school 40 to 60 more days a year than, than our kids. The students that our children are competing with for their future employment have very different um, opportunities. And we need to always be asking ourselves, are we doing this because it's what we've always done, or are we doing this because this is what our kids have to have to be able to compete globally? And so there's some things I'm sure that we'll hold on to because those tra traditions are are important and still relevant. But there are some things that we need to start thinking about that may not be uh, vitally important to preparing our kids to have a, a meaningful life experience and take care of their families in the future. Mm -hmm. Do you see broadband being able to maybe um, <clears throat> reduce the reduce classroom crowding while simultaneously increasing uh, student-teacher uh, interaction? Because I think on the face of it, you know, there's a lot of people who say, well, you know, the class getting too big, and it's part of the problem with our school systems, yada, yada, yada. And so they, they just envision this problem getting worse. And so I'm thinking or wondering, you know, can you, can you use broadband to maybe tackle the issue of, you know, overcrowding by reversing that at the same time still keeping the teachers engage so that the teacher-student relationship still continues to, you know, be a strong one. Relationships are vitally important, and they're a cornerstone to the work that we do in Kansas City, Kansas Public Schools, and I think broadband can assist with that as long as we are flexible in, in how we use that. The broadband uh, allows 
children to continue their learning outside of the school day. And then, as we talked about with flipped classrooms, it allows teachers to really individualize their instruction for where students are. Uh, I, I don't see it as um, an increasing of class size issue. I see it as our being able to maybe rethink how we structure things to meet the needs of, of kids. I also think virtual learning is the wave of the future, not completely. You might hear people talk about blended models where some of the instruction is face-to-face -face with the teacher and, and some is done virtually. Think about how we work in, in our professions. Much of what we do is virtual and much of what we do is also collaborating with others. And schools uh, need to look the same because that's the future we're preparing our kids for. So a combination uh, is, is likely, in my opinion, where we're headed in the future, not an extreme model where there are no classroom teachers and it's all virtual. I, I think it needs to be a combination. And the research is showing that those blended classrooms are having the, the biggest impact on academic gains. Mm -hmm. Now, when I uh, work with communities and help them develop their broadband strategy plans and we you know, talk about the different stakeholder groups, there's the businesses, there's this, there's you know, the hospitals, and there's government itself, you know, we talk about broadband transforming the way that segment does business, right? So I sometimes I'll talk about, you know, broadband can change the business of government in terms of how city elected officials and administrators and staff do their job of, you know, delivering services to the community. Is How would you see um, broadband improving the administration aspect of, you know, a, a school district. So, you know, I'm XYZ community, you know, I'm looking at you know, obviously all the educational benefits and making the students better and, 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 and helping the student parent interact and all of that. But the 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 core of the you know the administration, you know, you've got all those the, the staff folks that make the operation happen. How can broadband improve the wheels that, that turn to make the school district you know, do what it does to be a school district. No, I don't know that I have a, a comprehensive answer to that, except to to say that I'm I'm sure broadband will help us with that. Uh, in terms of efficiencies, uh, I think the broadband will allow us to uh, move resources that we currently spend on on other ways of doing business uh, to be more efficient. It also will allow us. Administratively, to provide more one-stop shopping. I don't know about you, but if I can go online and take care of some personal business, banking business, employment business, I just as soon do that than pick up the telephone and have to be on hold for 20 minutes and you know wait for some service. So, any of those kinds of things that we can do, so folks can um, take care of what they need to in an efficient way and move forward. I, I think would be very beneficial. So, you know, that's one of those areas that I don't know that we fully will understand until we actually have the broadband in place. But mm -hmm. that certainly means that we need to be thinking strategically about how do we change what we do on a daily basis to be more efficient, more customer-centric, uh, and responsive. Uh, when I say that, I'm not just talking about educationally, but in terms of the, uh, local governments and how businesses do their work. Mm -hmm. Now, let me throw out something that, again, may not, folks may not have spent a lot of time thinking about it, but uh, a number of years ago I did a couple of reports on the management of objects, what has now become called, I think, the Internet of Things, where you basically put little 
codes and, and technology into inanimate objects, but that are resources for an organization. So a hospital would be, you know, hospital beds and uh, defibrillators and all the rest of that equipment because you need to be able to find it in a hurry to operate effectively. Mm-hmm. At the education, on the education side of things, are there, you know, resources, like physical resources, that if they had a little, you know, ID chip and maybe a way to wirelessly track where they happen to be, what building, whatever, whatever, could that have a significant impact? Would it be just a moderate maybe impact? I mean, I know we're blue skying here, but I just want to kind of get your, your thoughts on that aspect of broadband. Well, you know, keep in mind that schools are businesses, and, and we happen to be the fourth largest employer in our community. So we have some of those same needs of tracking um, resources, uh, equipment, uh, needs that they have. But we also have a vital safety issue. Imagine what we would be able to do if we, on a student ID, were able to locate a student at any given time to know if that student got on or off a school bus. To, to be able to assure the parent that that kid walked from the school stop to their home. Or when employees come into buildings for safety purposes, to know who's in the building. So if there happens to be some kind of emergency, we can immediately know who is where and be responsive to those needs. Now, I, I think some people might see that a little bit as big brother, but as a person charged with the safety of 20,000 kids and 3,400 employees, I see that as comfort, that I would be able to, at any given time, uh, find a child, find an employee, uh, find a vital resource that we need and deploy that. Uh, Broadband, I I think that that would be terrific if we had that kind of access. Mm -hmm. Now, let me go into another uh, area, sort of a blue sky thing. Right after the election, uh, I had a couple of people on to talk about how technology has changed the the business of running campaigns. And, I mean, the the technology that was used by the the various campaigns was actually pretty stunning. Um, I don't know if civics is taught and described as a civics course anymore, which is probably dating me more than I really want to. But nevertheless, you know, (laughs) back in fifth grade, you know, we learned, you know, we had civics. It was very specific. You learned about government. You learned about civic engagement. Um, do you think, maybe on its own, that, that students would be will become more engaged civically with the world around them, either at a local level or, you know, above that, because of broadband? I think that... Uh, we we may see our citizens become more engaged if we can figure out how to access them. And in, in the school system, we've tried to deploy all kinds of tools, Facebook, uh, Twitter, text messages. And so as I think about the civic duties and responsibilities, uh, we have to make sure that we're on top of those technology tools that are trending high and that we utilize them to get our messages out. I was also just thinking I have jury duty in a couple of weeks. And boy, would I love to be able to do my civic duty for jury duty but not have it interfere with my entire day or week. So wouldn't it be remarkable if we could use broadband to engage folks that way? So we are good citizens. We are engaged in the community and the process of of civic government. Uh, Many people don't do that because it's consuming of time that they they don't want to give. But if we use broadband and tools in order to uh, engage folks, it might really transform how we do all of our business. Mm -hmm. So we've got just uh, a few minutes left here. I wanted to touch on the area of 
um, <clears throat> the digital divide or the flip side of that phrase, digital inclusion. And there is a worry that as technology comes in and takes hold and moves people and schools and so forth forward, that we always run the risk of leaving some segment of the population behind. Um, as 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 you guys, you your organization and your colleagues adapt broadband and move things forward, have have you thought about how to ensure that there won't be an increase, but may but a reduced digital divide between you know economic strata, you know students from different econ- uh, income levels and so forth. Well, a couple of things uh, come to mind right away. And I shared with you that we deployed one-to-one laptops for our high school kids six years ago. We were determined that we were going to do that all within 48 hours because we didn't want one set of students to have access while another did not. So being very strategic and ensuring that your actions don't create more of a division uh, and being purposeful. So as we've gone to -to two-to-one ratios from kindergarten all the way up, then we are making sure that classrooms have equitable access to a variety of technology tools. And so you have to be strategic and deliberate that the digital divide is foremost in your planning. How are you going to continue to try to chisel away at that? The second big thing that happens in our community is that our school district is also the lead agency for our public library system. And this has been huge for for our community because the public library working with the school system is now fully engaged in making sure that our community has access to technology tools and resources and training and development, not just for our school kids, but for the community at large. So working together. Uh, But we still have a digital divide, and that is because uh, we haven't quite figured out how we make technology relevant to those who are struggling just to get by. So continuing to work as a community on that universal access is imperative if we truly want uh, everyone in our community to have access to tools that they need to improve their lives. Mm -hmm. So in in concluding uh, the interview, um, broadband is a tool, obviously. Uh, It is expected to transform many things, one of them being, you know, the business of education and the, you know, the public good of education. Um, put you on the hot spot here. In a minute, can you kind of give, like, one key lesson, one key piece of advice to communities, how they can make sure or ensure that broadband will live up to that potential as they plan their networks and their strategies? Well, it may be less than a minute because critical <laughs> to that is having a clear goal of the outcomes that you want to achieve. And for us, it was that each student would exit high school fully prepared for college and careers in a global society, and every step along the way they'd be on track and on time for success. So we have a very clear goal of what we're trying to obtain, and then everything we do aligns to that. So communities need to think about what are you trying to achieve and how will these tools advance you to achieve that goal. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to thank you, uh, Dr. Lane. This has been a very uh, educational show. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm being funny. But, uh, you know, it, it's been very informative. It actually has been very educational. Uh, I think there's a lot that our listeners can take from, from your comments. 
and I really appreciate you being on the show and sharing those insights and thoughts with us today. It's been a great opportunity. I appreciate it very much. Great. And to our audience, thank you for listening in again. Uh, I'll be doing two more shows here uh, from Kansas City. Uh, one tomorrow looking at uh, Gigabit Wireless. You know, we all think about Gigabit as being a fiber uh, option, but that's actually wireless as well as fiber. Uh, and then on Friday, we're going to have, uh, first time ever, Kansas City Call-In. I want to get folks uh, in Kansas City to talk about their expectations and hopes and experiences with broadband and, you know, what this all means to them. So we've got a good week of more shows coming up. Uh, again, thank you for being our guest, uh, and thank you for being our, you know, in our audience today. Uh, have a great day, and we'll talk again soon.